0: listening to the voice of Howard Show. Hello, you rotten little bloodsucker. This is Alice Cooper. Hey, this is Justin from NSYNC. This is Rodney Baines. Uh, hey, baby. Hello, there's the K? Hi, this is Jack. Just back up from the border for a short visit. You know what I'm talking about, pal? Hi, my name is John Teague, and welcome to another edition of The Horse's Mouth. You're in The Horse's Mouth, and my name is John Teague. So, today... On the show, in the show, uh, had an old friend Troy Brooks. Um, Troy's down at the moment for the the Rip Curl Bell's Beach Pro Easter Classic. I don't know, how I butchered that. It's like the Rip Curl Pro Easter Classic, uh, the the surfing comp at Bell's. Um, he's down for that. He uh, so anyway, I had the good fortune of talking to Troy. I won't elaborate too much on it. Just let you enjoy the conversation I had with Troy. Um, divulge itself what he's up to these days and you know like troy was he's rubbing shoulders and mixing it with the world's best uh surfers when he was on tour and 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 uh it's it's a huge feat um to get to that level of sport on any level so anyway um have a chat to troy um when was the last time you got called a fuck knuckle I mean, it's such a great word. I had forgotten completely about that word until I got called it the other day. Hey, fuck knuckle! Um, and I honestly, my I instead of being offended, I started laughing because I had forgotten all about the word fuck knuckle. Um, yeah, so I don't know why I'm sharing that with you, but it just had such a profound. I was just, I was laughing and I couldn't stop thinking about it. Fuck knuckle, what is that? What is that? Where's it from? But. uh Anyway, thank you to the person that called me a fuck-knuckle. I appreciate it. Um, and, I, and later they, they did say that, were oh, sorry for calling me a fuck-knuckle. But nonetheless, I found it hilarious that they did call me a fuck-knuckle uh, as a knee-jerk reaction to something <laughs> that I did. Um, uh, fantastic, fantastic. Bring back the fuck-knuckle. Anyway, I hope you're doing well wherever you are, uh, wherever you are out there, and I hope you enjoy my chat with Troy. You right. think this yeah, is, is interesting? Wow. Wait till you hear two hours of crap. A complete and total farfarama. Hi, right, this is David Bowie. Pretty things are you
1: are you uh, uh, yeah. Gold. So, uh, sort of started coaching him about two years ago, I guess. Um, you know, he was a free surfer, sort of wanting to get on the pro tour and, you know, he's sort of came from doing big turns and shooting movie clips to trying to put a heat together and multiple scores and uh, he sort of asked me one day if I want to help him out and, yeah, here we are at Bells and he's on tour.
0: So this was before, he was obviously on the the QS, is it?
1: Uh, Before that even. He, He was just free surfing? Yeah, he, I mean, he like he was a really good junior like you know he's heat smart he's you know really intelligent in in the water um and out but (laughs) 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 but um yeah like he's got a good hairdo i love it (laughs) he's got yeah he's got one of the best hairdos on tour Mm. um but no he um you know he went off and was like fuck i just want to surf i'm sick of doing comps and um you know he gets in good ways and And do some good surfing without trying to focus too hard on competitiveness and so he went off and yeah took on the free surfing for a while
0: and does that mean that you go and help him take on that free surfing (laughs)
1: no 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 well i mean he, he sort of did that and then when he wanted to um look at professional surfing and wqs and wct contests, um that's when we sort of spoke and yeah started working together
0: so can i break can i when you say working together does that mean that you i don't know how that works does you film him and then break it down like how does it what does it look like
1: yeah it's um <clears throat> i mean coaching there's a whole lot of different coaches and different techniques and different things that people do um the way we, if it's secretive you don't have to learn no it's fine <laughs> like you know you can you know, take a coaching course and you know they sort of teach you most of the things and different people have different strengths and and they sort of head down those lines. Um, You know, there's event coaching where people just rock up to events and, you know, give, uh, you know, someone who's already done a lot of the training and might have a a good sort of preparation um, already, they sort of rock up and help them through, you know, maybe a difficult place like Bells Beach and they go, okay, well, this is where you should sit, high tide, low tide, surf here, practice here, you know, get in a good routine. Um, surf well or there's like a bit more of um, you know a pre-event and and event coach is a bit more what I do. Um, so we'll do um, you know everything from um, strategic heats and heat starting and heat finishing and you know dealing with being under pressure or changes or things not going your way, um, so that when you rock up to an event, um, you're actually ready. For something to go wrong,
0: yeah. Because um, psychologically, I don't know. From myself, even just dealing with the crew, uh, just having a free surf. Sometimes, sometimes you feel like you got it on a string, and then other times you get so cerebral that you like, it's like I'm jinxed. I'm never going to get another wave. Yeah, I can't sit in the right spot, and that must happen. I, I, I imagine on all levels.
1: Oh, 100 percent. Like it doesn't, and like you know, we're up on the Gold Coast, so you add a. 100 people in the lineup and... I
0: don't know. Have you seen what it's like here lately? <laughs> hey,
1: seriously. I served Winky Pop this morning with Mikey, like his first day of the event. And um, obviously, all the pros are out there practicing, but there was still 20-odd locals trying to get waves. I'm like, boys, get out of here. Just <laughs> give it up for a week. Yeah, yeah, it's like one of the worst Winky Pop I've seen. You've had waves for the last three months. I'm like, yeah. You surf somewhere else where there's no one.
0: It's intense. But anyway, yeah, so... So you dry you. So you, you have different coaches for different things. How, where do you sit in that?
1: Um, well, I sort of do a bit of everything, really, because um, I, I mean, I've got a full time job, so I'm I'm working every day. Um, I run all the events for Quicksilver and work with Quicksilver on all the marketing. So, um, you know, the stuff we do is. Five thirty 30 in the morning go for surf or on the weekend um,
0: 5 30 in the morning
1: oh i just i mean the gold coast man <laughs> yeah right yeah it's up there <laughs> yeah, at that hour it's 24 degrees so it's not quite you know threading on UGG boots and boots <laughs> yeah, down
0: here yeah yeah stretching just <laughs> so you can walk
1: <laughs> yeah um so yeah we we get up early and and do a lot of that you know and then i'll i've got my kids too mikey's great with the kids so we just sort of rock up they go for a surf and no, it's a pretty good relationship.
0: Awesome, um, and he seems like a bit of a wildcat. Yep. Is it just a demeanor, or it's? I mean, is it? You know, you know what I'm saying? Is he? he, he...
1: I think. I think the best way to you know look at Mikey, anything he does is 100. 20 percent awesome. So you cut your hair, he's going to cut it at <laughs> 120. Got say, it, yeah, 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 you don't have to he's spell got the that flying one. Mullet. He's got, you know, his car, you know, yeah. he's bought, he's probably got the best, um, four wheel drive in the country. Um, you know, it's fitted out. He'll go on the craziest tracks, beach, whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. Fishing, he's so into his fishing, like everything's, you know, 120 20%. Yeah, surfs at 120, you know injuries or anything like that's the last of his worry it's more about what he can do and what he's going to try
0: yeah so how long have you been on the goldie now
1: um i moved that when i was oh, 21 22 so
0: but you've been um, back and forth haven't
1: you yeah so i did like 11 years up there came back for five now i've been back up for three um give or take some bad math in there but yeah yeah yeah. i'll
0: go with it um and was it purely a career move or you just needed to change or
1: yeah i think so like when i grew up in torquay um like there wasn't too many like guys that had made it on tour glenn and Ringrose um ahead of me t ray but you know he was sort of grew up in queensland and and then moved down here as a sort of 15 year old um so it was more about um i don't know probably opening my eyes a bit um surfing with the likes of you know parko mick um luke egan oki those guys every day yeah um whereas down in torquay um you get great waves and you know but probably you know the top sort of kids now even you know don't get a lot of challenge or um you know you you sort of try and surf your best you can against those guys when you're in the water and you can sort of set your level yeah yeah um and i found um yeah moving up there was going to help me and it did i hope (laughs) well
0: no you moved up there pre so you made it onto the tour
1: not until two years after i moved up there
0: but you did make it nonetheless yes and you attribute it to like moving up there and having to push yourself against those guys or so uh, what-
1: i think so like i mean honestly the move came um craig stevenson um was running quicksilver down here and he um he sort of said mate i think you need to get up to the gold coast or sydney start surfing with um you know those top guys and you know satur- saturate yourself in, in 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 those crew um and he said like you know, you can run down the street naked in Torquay and, and no one will, um, you know, no one will think second, but yeah. you, you do it on the Gold Coast, you know, it's actually surf media and everything's there, so you'll, you'll make it on the front page. So, not that I ran down the street naked, but, you know, surfing out in the line, unless there's photographers on the beach and good surfers out there, so. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, let's go back. Growing up in Torquay, what, what are some of your earliest memories?
1: Um... Oh, shit. Um, growing up in talk. To- <laughs> I really put you on the spot yeah. there. Like, fuck. I mean, I, I, like, I grew up out of Bells, um, on Bells Boulevard, like on an acreage out there in the trees, you
0: yeah. know. Is it the same house that you had your 21st at? Yeah. Do you know, I went to a, I just to cut you off, but I just got, it's what I wanted to say. I remember now. I, uh, I gate crashed to, um, an engagement party there the other weekend. <laughs> At the house. And I, I was like, I know the Brookses used to live up in here somewhere. And then I was like, oh my God, uh, that's that pool. And I remember falling in your pool and I had a pocket full of weed <laughs> and there was like little silver doilies floating around your swimming pool. And I was like, I haven't been here since that was 20, 20 years ago.
1: Oh, that was a crazy party. It was, I mean, not long after that, we sold the house to i can't remember who bought it but um you know it was one of the like you know they mum and dad sold the place and then um i think the new people came in and there was a bunch of termites through it they knocked the place down that's why it looks so different now um and then but the pool remained yeah, so, the pool. yeah yeah but um i i went up there 10 years after you know moved out it's a totally new house and everything but still had its character and you know it's nestled amongst the trees here
0: oh it's so nice in the gum trees um yeah it's an awesome spot so yeah growing up there
1: yeah so um you know it was we had goats and dogs and (laughs) um, cats and all sorts of you know half hobby farm animals i guess but uh yeah we just went to school and surfed every day after school and you know there's a good bunch of my mates around town that we used to
0: do you remember um do you remember before you started surfing and and your old man and 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 your brother surfing and being like fuck i want to you know that's um, something i want to do
1: or? I, I was it's funny because i've got kids now and like i'm like you know when when they're a bit younger probably the same age we're talking about you know you're five years of age i um i went to i remember it vividly i was in um dad took me to point at and i Pushed me on this wave and I nosedived and I just got eaten and I was just like this is horrendous. And then from that day I wouldn't let him help me ever again. Like I mean he'd help me obviously from the land, but not in the ocean. Um, and I I was I went and surfed Torquay Point, surfed the less on the inside. I was too scared to go out the back. Um, you know, and my brother was three and a half years older than me, in a bit of a charger, a big wave surfer, surfing bells at you know just eight ten foot when he was ten years old. So um i was you know six at that stage and looking at half a foot <laughs> left the torquey and you know i didn't want to go around a janja because that was too big yeah 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 um but i, I think you know and watching now so, sometimes that helps like you know all the best kids that i see coming through are really good in tiny ways and they learn to generate speed and and maybe it was a blessing in disguise.
0: Yes, yeah, um, very similar to like Slater in Florida, right is it similar well, the yeah. east ethos there or well,
1: there's a bunch of good Floridians around there, but some of the local kids here like you know your Willis drumerss and moose and you know they were all the best kids in the tiniest ways um and you know you can see them growing now into their bodies and into bigger ways so yeah um yeah it could be something in that
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely um and I think definitely like been like the earlier sort of get into it those real formative years before like teens you know yeah. when shit can just become second nature and as you get to like 18 19 20 or even late 20s you're still sort of honing in on something that's been there forever and you're not it's, yeah, I don't know I, I definitely see because I started when I was 13 mm. and I see it's such a difference in anyone that started well before that
1: yeah I mean there's I think too, like kids have the net, like the balance of you know like a gymnast. They're amazing, and you know walking around or just learning so fast with probably their brains, whether at school or whatever. You put them on a surfboard, unstable surface, small board. They they just get it so quickly. You know, there's not a lot of adults that learn surfing and become good at it. Um, I yeah, obviously are but it's um the learning curve of surfing must be the, the greatest it's the hardest it, out of any i reckon
0: mm. and i think that's what probably makes it so rewarding once yeah. you get past that grade whatever it is and you sort of have it as part of your repertoire and then you're like you know you went through so much fucking pain to get to that spot there, and then it just becomes more joyful yeah. I don't know, it just never stops giving, does it? But it's like I th- always think of it like uh uh you're like a ninja walking the earth because you know it's like I just you, you just never want to stop getting better. Yeah. And you travel with it and experience different cultures and it humbles you and you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm full of shit, but <laughs> <laughs> nah, like I mean there's a
1: I don't know, like a there's definitely something about the ocean that is a spiritual connection that you know it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing if you get out there and just sort of you know like chill out in the ocean you you sort of can connect with anyone in any town any culture um and i mean a lot of surfers say that around the world you go to indonesia or um you know uh mexico huntington beach you know you paddle out and everyone's all chirpy and happy and willing to sort of talk and yeah oh, that's good
0: so um what was school days like for you
1: school was Torquay primary um sort of where the Coles is that's where my classroom was in Torquay now like, oh
0: yeah right there on that yeah
1: yeah yeah so the main shopping center in Torquay was where the school was before they moved it um yeah yes my dad had piping hot he started piping hot so the factory was across the road so he would drop me there and I'd run back across the um the road after school and and get a lift home roll around in the rubber and (laughs) jump from you know annoy all the sewers out the back
0: (laughs) so at school you know did you know that you wanted did you have any aspirations to do anything else
1: uh not really I mean as a um, like a primary school sort of thing, like obviously had um, dreams of becoming a pro surfer, and you sort of never know where you sit, especially back then. Like now, the social media, and you got all this sort of stuff that you can sort of see a kid that's growing up in Hawaii or, um, you know, Brazil or yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. wherever. Um, you know, we had, we had, you know, a bunch of magazines that would come out of still pictures and hopefully a video. Um, you know, would would, or a, you know, a VHS. Yeah, yeah. Hit, hit the stands that you could check out, and you go fuck. How's that kid from um America, Chris Ward? Who is he? Like, you know. Who you just watch guy? the
0: scene over and over with the same song over and over yeah. and over. And those songs are getting ingrained in your brain. Like, still now. Rewind, pause,
1: play, try and you know pause it on the best you know but the machine would take about three seconds to slow down and stop <laughs> what was
0: your favorite video growing up
1: um kelly slater black yeah it's pretty good yeah, eh? yeah it's a hard one to beat yeah um that was pretty mental and then all the momentum series focus i love timmy caran like inventing new maneuvers and different things um the air reverse the alley oops um i don't know that was Sort of where I was at, I guess. Yeah. For different things to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, I just remember um, Bunyip, Dr- Bunyip dreaming and Green Iguana got me through school. Yeah. If it wasn't for those two movies, uh, you know, it's because I was so like Jack McCoy. I reckon. You ever met him?
1: Uh, I have. Yeah. Done a little bit with Jack. I mean, he like I've always been quicksilver, and he's done a lot of the Billabong stuff. So yeah. he was boy of with Oki and all those guys. Paco. Uh, But no, no I know Jack. He's a brilliant filmmaker, I reckon. Yeah, incredible.
0: Yeah. Um, So then, in high school?
1: High school was... Geelong College in Geelong. Um, How'd you go? Yeah, I didn't get a score at the end, but it wouldn't have been too great. Yeah, Um, I do remember my English teacher telling me that. I'm glad you can surf because you don't have an academic career, so (laughs) um, that might answer how I went in grades. I did ceramics, woodwork, anything that yeah, uh, yeah. was a bit more practical. I think yeah, Um, PE, (laughs) PE, perfect. Um, But no, it's good. you know, be at a forty-five-minute trip on the bus every morning and home, um, dealing with all the the crew on on that. So,
0: a bit of shenanigans. Yeah, that no, was good. Yeah, and so you obviously started competing in those days.
1: Yeah, I did. I had. Um, I mean, college was a very sports sort of orientated school, um, but surfing wasn't definitely at the forefront back then. Um, my brother really sort of broke the way of okay. You know there's a bit of a, a career outside of surfing for those people they thought i guess surfing was you know for drug guys and surf bums from back in the 70s and 80s or whatever and um
0: draft dodgers
1: yeah draft dodgers <laughs> <laughs> but um nah it, like he sort of came along and made a few world teams and different things um like i remember asking um he was
0: put, he he was australian champion and still school, junior uh, champion
1: don't think he he got second i don't think he won an australian title but he won a world title as a junior
0: oh that's yeah so he won
1: world junior titles or the world um pro junior titles which was better because he got a bit of cash um as a sort of 18 year old um but he yeah like he sort of went through and sort of paved the way a bit for for us like some of the surfers behind us um you know, trying to get a couple of days off to go to the Australian titles in a sport that they didn't think was really a sport, um, was hard to do. Yeah. And got denied a few times but Did
0: they'd... you guys have a surf team at college?
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We we did okay. I don't know. We always got beaten by one faggy over there in <laughs> Philip Hall way or beyond, but yeah. um, no, we we had a bit of a team.
0: Oh, that's good. Um so they had progressed quite a bit then.
1: They yeah, they did. And then um you know, Kerno, um, you know, was our PE teacher and he's got his Kurnow. son yeah, sons all playing for Carlton now. Really? Uh, yeah, Ed Kerno and, and the and the crew, but um he he was instrumental in trying to get surfing and, and took us to all the teams and yeah, Mad Dog was good. That's his nickname. <laughs> 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 I was
0: thinking how good though so have a teacher that is uh sorta of on your team you know mm. pu- and pushing like that is is uh it's funny my aunt is now a teacher and she's like oh I just never thought it. and I'm like no like if you are a really good teacher you can have an impact on someone's life for yeah forever
1: yeah i mean Kerno was insane like he was our pe teacher he sort of did all the surfing stuff um you know and um you'd see him out there all the time he lived down torquay way and um no that's pretty cool he actually uh you know, however many years later, when Sean died, he was actually did the, uh, you know, he was he spoke at the funeral, yeah. and sort of did all the uh, uh, duties there.
0: Oh, what a legend!
1: Yeah. No, so he definitely had a a mark on, or like a you know, a good influence on myself and Sean and yeah, our whole family.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, out of school, you had three years before you went to the Goldie. Yep. Um, just down here, just uh
1: <laughs> yeah had three years, um, I sort of did the pro junior series, it was a lot stronger back then, like the pro junior series
0: was well, I can't imagine, sorry, to yeah, cut you off, but that you say it was stronger back then, yeah, I would have thought with the way everything's moving now, that it would be just as strong or stronger
1: uh, it's sort of weird because like Australia was a full force, like you know, and now you know, the Brazilian storm sort of thing is Brazil's got the most surfers on the tour now. Um back when like we were juniors and stuff, over half the tour was Australians. So if you were doing well as a junior, you're pretty destined for the World World Tour League. Right. Um so you wanted to get out of school, finish in the top five as a junior on the junior series in Australia and you know, you're looking pretty good.
0: Now, what do you attribute things like that to, like the Brazilian force now? Would it be a, a socioeconomic thing? There's more of a desperation to, to exceed? Or is it just warmer, better climate, punchier waves? like, what? I don't know. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> Answer that. Yeah, yeah, that's a hard one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I, th- I think there's a bit of both. I, I think surfing went to Brazil later. Um, there's way more people there and they fight for every wave you know so there's a lot of um crew coming you know the the sport of surfing now that it's gone through a couple of generations has um i think really got a depth in the juniors now and not just like you know a handful of guys that could surf well that are on the tour now there's like you know people in kids in schools everywhere that are aspiring to people like gabriel mendina and um you know like, like all the other Brazilians that sort of came before him, the Renan Roches and Victor Rebus's and all those guys were the first generation.
0: Who was the one that um, told the judges to get fucked? I
1: don't know. Probably after the has done that over the time. Okay, no, I thought Victor it was a Brazilian. It... came in throwing rocks one day. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah. I remember that. It was in my heat in, um, in uh, the Maldives, I think, he came in and threw a few rocks over the, at the judges and... Copped a bit of a suspension,
0: but wasn't too happy about something.
1: No, I think he thought he got the score. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um and what about that who's that um who was that poor fellow that got shot because he didn't give something up in Brazil recently? He was a pro oh, surfer. Yeah.
1: Um oh, the name's just off the top of my head. Uh Santa. Uh
0: that was that's that's just yeah. I mean, there's a lot of sad stories around, pretty but that Santos. was pretty yeah, that was pretty <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, he was um yeah, I mean he was a great surfer and, like Did you know him? Like, I mean I knew him to say hello, I didn't know yeah, him well. Yeah. Um I mean there's life's cheap in a lot of places. Yeah, yeah. You know, Australia forgets how oh, yeah. the rest of the world can be. Yeah. Um like I've seen some crazy shit around the world, like, you know, from anything from people getting stabbed
0: you know. You've seen someone actually stabbed?
1: Uh, we yeah, like South Africa and Durban, you know, guy was literally had his little um uh like ice cream cart there's five thousand people there and some guy off his head on drugs trying to get money a bit more money just yeah stabbed him to death in front of our hotel oh my fuck and um you know it's like yeah so there's i mean that's just one thing but there's you drive down the road a bit further like durban's pretty gnarly place but whether it's there or parts of brazil yeah
0: jody um jody reed told me a pretty gnarly story when she was there competing and she got on the cans one night and drifted off one block yeah got herself in a little bit of a spooky situation that could have gone fucking pear-shaped
1: oh i mean most well not not most probably most most people have ever had a gun pulled on them or a knife pulled on them and semi-mugged um around there like um as far as anyone that goes out or you know in the wrong street after dark you end up in a bit of trouble
0: there's a really good joe rogan um podcast at the moment it's like uh, i don't listen to a lot of them but he does have the really good one um it's i can't remember the dude's name he's an english guy who's just written a book about narcos narco something and he lived he's lived in mexico for the past 18 years following and journal being a journalist uh reporting on the cartels and and everything's and, and so he ta- he speaks for nearly two hours about his experience in mexico mm. and uh I spent a heap of time down there, and it's yeah, I mean it's one of the most beautiful places, but fuck yeah, I mean you forget how easy life is here, yeah
1: I mean <laughs> australia's such a good place to live, you know as far as ease of life goes. I mean, everyone, there's problems everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Everyone has their problems. There's nothing about that. But, um, you know, when when you see little kids and stuff, you know, sniffing glue on the streets every morning um, on your way for a surf to compete in a contest for money. It's, uh, is that on the goldie uh, no, I'm not, no i'm not joking <laughs> you're talking about durban right Yeah, durban. that's <laughs> you know there'll be 10 8 year olds sniffing glue um you know it's it's pretty and then you think of your kids or or friends kids and you go god you know we've got it pretty good
0: so we digress there a little bit we we're talking about the why the the pro junior isn't as strong yeah um,
1: Went up sniffing glue and yeah, in Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, No, no, yeah, well, I, I think there was just a, such a good culture back um, in those days, like um, uh, with the Australian, the Billabong had an amazing junior series going. Um, heaps of guys were, it was a good sort of driver into the WQS um, and it sort of filtered out a bit probably 10 years ago or more. Um, at the same time, Brazil and that just... Started coming forward, strong, um, new guys, all surfing um, at a innovative level, big airs. You know, you watch Gabby as a, a 12-year-old doing Supermans and Air Raiders and getting tens most eats, like it was crazy.
0: And do you think, like, it could be a, a genetics thing as well, like they're pretty you know um
1: i think they're just hungry and there's a yeah. lot of them and they fight for it and they surf every day as kids and you know um i mean i haven't grown up over there and i don't yeah, yeah understand yeah, it yeah, as yeah, good yeah. but just from an observation um you know there's a couple hundred million people over there that surfing's what the third biggest sport or something now you got soccer, jiu-jitsu, and surfing. It's almost, oh, it's the third biggest sport in... I, I think so. I've yeah. been told that. Like, it's on TV, like on live TV for about six hours a day. Like yeah, right. Full on.
0: Yeah, okay. There's a big push. Yeah. Because you barely see it here. Yeah. Unless you're looking for it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, hold on. Fuck, where were we? <laughs> Genius. Genius. <Yeah>. Um, Genius. <laughs> so, it was stronger then, so it was f- easier for you to be on that... Circuit? Or? Um,
1: no, no, well, it was just like uh, a, a good stepping stone to jump on the world tour, whereas that stepping stone probably doesn't exist at the moment. Under 18s, it's been moved from under 21s to under 18s. Um, so once you get to an 18 year old, you're just getting out of school, um, and then you're expected to go on the world tour, expect to have a sponsor that can get you around the world. Um, and if you don't have that, it's pretty hard to get a leg up. Uh, whereas your junior series you could have traveled around the country a lot cheaper uh, with mates with parents with family and friends um, and sort of build that you know life on the road um, get the experience against the best kids and then as a 20 21 year old you start traveling the world hopefully with a sponsor because you've done well on the juniors and um, yeah it's probably a better halfway
0: bottom or better model do you think um like now that's why you see a lot of young crew with social media and using that as a tool to uh, expose themselves and f- just free surfing off sponsorship like
1: yeah it's a hard one though, because like you know there's like there's a whole lot of different morals and things about you know keeping kids in schools and social media like don't use it do use it oh look you need to use it to get a sponsor you don't need to use it like you know and then all the pressures you know most people what 20 percent is negative you know can they take it as a kid and then do you push them to use it to get a sponsor can you
0: take it as an adult yeah
1: (laughs) can anyone take criticism (laughs) yeah like it's a it's a real tough thing so to do it as um, like if you're going to pursue a, a free surfing career um, as opposed to a competitive one, basically you've got to be seeing, you've got to be producing
0: content. content,
1: yeah. um, And social media is a good platform. It's free. You can get it out there. And then obviously there's the, the biggest sort of edits and clips that you either sponsors or yourself want to put out.
0: So... um you're on the the junior tour. You go to the Goldie. Yep. Have, did, <clears throat> when did your parents move up there?
1: My parents moved out on me. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> truth be told, it's pretty funny. I was I was like my first year overseas. I, was, I went. I didn't have a lot of money, so I went to um, had enough to go to Europe once. And the way the tour was, it was scattered. It was my first year over there, and I went. There was like a, a European leg tour went off somewhere else and then came back to Europe. So I went over there. I was like, fuck it. I, I, I've just got to hang out in Europe for four months or five months. Anyway, in that time, mum and dad decided to sell the house. They put it on the market, sold the house. Um, I came back. Um, you know, the, I mean, they moved to Sydney and I came back. There was My bedroom was the only thing that was to move out and I had three days to do it. Um, but I mean, they, they'd looked after us, they'd hired a house for six months down the road and, uh, yeah, I came home, they'd moved out, moved to Sydney and, um, I jumped in, uh, to a house in Janjhuk with my sister.
0: So did they move, um, just because they wanted to change a pace, the old man for work? Or? Uh,
1: old man for work, so he was working yeah. for Quicksilver International, um, they were based up there, um, they will pretty much trying to, um, oh, they, they sort of gave the option and, yeah, he sort of moved up there, sold the house, sold the place down here, and um, all that. While I was in in Europe,
0: so you're all, you're a lineage of of surfers, you're, and I believe a lineage of athletes. Your grandfather was a boxer. Yeah,
1: Les Brooks. Yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, what? So he was he a Victorian champion, or was he? Uh,
1: he was. From- like seven times i think australian champ well there you go Professional okay. back in the 40s
0: um, seven times australian so. champ
1: yeah well held his belt seven times so
0: do you get any of that um do yeah you know, <laughs> don't fuck with me my grandfather was seven times
1: well, like dad was like you know schoolboy's golden gloves too and he sort of grew up in um you know brighton and and um you know sort of used to cop it because his dad was a, a boxer and Try to knock the head off the son of the yeah, Australian champ sort of thing. So, um, I mean, he's probably got a few stories he can tell, um, about all these boxing days. But well, I
0: mean, not to judge, but he looks like his nose has worn a couple, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I think any boxer you know, know. wears a couple, yeah. But yeah, Les was a um, yeah, Australian champ and um, he sort of
0: seven times,
1: yeah, yeah, no, he's full, of, full of into, I think he, um i think he would have made it or made the olympic team the year that it got cancelled because of the war back in the 40s so um that was yeah would have been potential olympian perhaps yeah too but nah that that finished and yeah he went on and and did all that and then yeah
0: so then um and your old your old man he was um no I'm going to butcher that as well so I'm not going to say but he was Victorian or Australian? Yeah
1: he was Victorian champ like I don't know probably seven or eight times Um, he sort of made a a decision I guess when he was 17, 18 of do I get my head punched in and continue boxing Um, or start trying to be a surfer and move to Torquay which he did and started um, working in the surf industry and um, yeah sort of started piping hot
0: your old man started piping hot that's yeah it that was huge in the 80s yeah
1: exactly yeah well i think <laughs> in 75 him and fred pike dad bought into fred pike's sort of business at the time and then they changed the name to piping hot um and then yeah they had all gary Elkerton's and you know you used to be able to ride for quicksilver piping hot and quicks i mean yeah yeah right uh, yeah rip curl as well you know whoever it was um they used to share sponsors back then It was really just getting free product
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so your brother was world junior champion so you're on the tour you've got a in- did, did you feel a certain amount of pressure
1: um Sort of well, way, not before you made yeah. the tour,
0: but when you're on the junior tour, like oh, this is fucking it. What am I gonna do? Or like
1: oh, not really. I think I was pretty self motivated. Like mum and like dad was mum and dad were never like pressuring me into you. Yeah. Like they weren't like strict surf no, hockey yeah. parents or yeah, yeah, soccer like, mum. Soccer mum, yeah. <laughs> I was never like that. Um, you know, so it was sort of I was sort of self motivated a lot. Um Sean obviously um was doing well. Um, and then, you know, later fell off the road with his mental health issues and, um, had to really stop competing, traveling and, and doing all that sort of stuff as he sort of, um, had to deal with a lot of those mental uh, issues probably as a 21 year old. So I was about 18 sort of years of age
0: when that happened. So when that was going on, did, um, cause it was a different time. Uh, was that pre 2000? Um, yeah, it was about
1: 97, 98.
0: I feel like what we knew then about mental health and what we know today is like two different.
1: Yeah, ah, oh, totally different. Like Sean, um, you know, he was, he had a <clears throat> bunch of friends, and um, you know, surfing the world. He's always a bit of a wildcat, like you know, never um you know he's a 100 mile an hour sort of guy um like i said earlier surfing big waves when he's 10 years old doing all this crazy stuff um he um yeah sort of started getting like um he, like many. eventually is diagnosed with paranoia schizophrenia which is probably the hardest and worst mental um disease getting around but um he had to sort of like he sort of i guess got rid of or wanted to get rid of friends and stuff because they were um like they didn't they thought oh just stop drinking or yeah yeah. um or he'd go out and fight them or think of something that they've done or you know create yeah scenarios in his head and and there's no education out there about you know what to do or how to deal with it from a friend point of view family point of view like it was pretty tough um, I had no idea. I was like, fuck, oh, Sean, just settle down, bro. <laughs> you know, he'd come home and smash shit and try and, you know, fight her. And, you know, or I'd go out and he'd see me and, you know, start throwing punches at me. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on? Um, and at the same time, we're like, oh, you know, just stop drinking. You'll be right. But obviously, it's a lot greater than that.
0: It runs much deeper than that. Yeah. yeah. But how, like, how hard for yourself and your parents to, you uh, Like, I even know now with certain friends who are going through similar things, it's Mm. it's so draining, Um, even with the information. You know, like, fuck, mental health is such a a big issue in our society, and I suppose you've probably been through it as hard as anybody.
1: Yeah, well, I think the, you know, just having the not, like, you know, the the person who's going through it, obviously, it must be... Hardest for them, Um, but for them to actually, they they need to accept it or want to seek help, or you know, until that happens, it's it's quite a um, a hard one to deal with because um, they might be in denial or they might just you know want to take drugs or self-medicate or um, you know drink to block out or not hear the voices, you know, and and that's what he did for. You know quite some time and um and then yeah later moved up to sydney uh once he was sort of diagnosed um, properly
0: to be closer to your parents
1: uh yeah well he sort of needed somewhere to live i guess and um he couldn't re- couldn't work because of um you know any sort of pressure would trigger some of the paranoia or you know when you got someone with paranoia they're sitting there thinking you know, is this guy, you know, are they tapping the walls? Are they, you know, is he listening to what I'm thinking? Um, you know, is he, he's asking me to go for a surf, but does he actually want me to do something else? Like, you know, they're seriously paranoid about everything that's going around them. Um, you know, conspiracy theories about, you know, friends or people that have died. They start trying to puzzle it together about how it was you or, you know, something yeah, weird like that. Yeah. And then the schizophrenia will you know you never know when they're going to snap so um and when they snap they're pretty violent so you got to be pretty careful so it's a it's a disease it's something i'm sure the person with it doesn't want to have it no um and yeah they it's really really hard to deal with
0: yeah it, it i don't think you know it's it's something that I think needs to be talked about more because it's so prevalent, but yet it's talked in hushed tones. Yeah. You know, like I have family members with schizophrenia and, uh, mm. you know, and they are on the right medication at the moment and doing well, mm. but it hasn't always been that way. And it's like, you know, I've been through lots of anxiety myself and, mm. for I, you know, had a psychosis when I was 17 and, you know, uh, it can shift, mm. but um well man i'm just thanks for opening up about that with sean
1: yeah well i mean you know sean you know like sean was sort of misdiagnosed with bipolar for years so um different medication wrong medication all that sort of stuff and really it was a sign of the times of not understanding even in the medical world um you know he went to like he was went to different um sort of mental institutions from um episodes that he had at night or whatever they police would lock him up and take him into um one of those places in geelong and you know <laughs> Dax's house i think it was back then <laughs> was probably still there um you know and they sort of try and diagnose this person and he ended up taking you know the wrong medication for years um and then once he moved up to Sydney he saw some specialists up there and he goes oh he's actually should be on this medication for paranoia and schizophrenia and he's not actually bipolar because he doesn't have the highs and lows um like a, a regular sort of diagnosis for bipolar so um you know that they, they were and and in that sort of whole thing at the same time you're fighting your friends you're you, you know, Family conspiring against people, you're paranoid about everything going on. It's it's um a pretty tough for someone else to be around those people as well. And you can sort of see why you know a lot of those people end up on the streets, you know, they're homeless and all that sort of stuff. And he moved up there. My parents, you know, obviously were like, We want to help and take him in, so um, that's that's he moved to Sydney for that
0: yeah well I, I remember at school and we'd come just down to jock surfing and he he was an anomaly
1: mm.
0: <laughs> you know yeah, always an enigma, yeah <clears throat> they' such like uh you know I'm so sorry that that's how it all went for you it's like
1: yeah i mean it's it's a lot easier to talk about these days, like I've yeah. done a lot of you know different things with mental health and stuff so i can sort of speak you know openly about it now but you know it still gets you oh yeah (laughs) um but yeah he you know he was you know he was in his prime at the time and you know surfing unbelievably winning world you know winning two of the three world juniors um and dealing with that at the same time um and then obviously through an injury um put him on the sidelines for long enough for it to really take hold yeah you know what what did he do um i think he he hurt his back um
0: oh was that from a party in geelong
1: no that was he he did that the second time he fell off the balcony or something um like you know that you'd drink himself into oblivion and do crazy stuff he drove his car through bird rock (laughs) cafe Like he's done some pretty fucking crazy shit, um, but
0: now give me a beer, Brownie. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm like God, how was that one? He, you know, Brownie was trying to kick him out um, because he, I mean, they shut hours ago, and Sean's like, nah, fucking serve me, and then got got in his car, drove around the block, and straight through the windscreen, got out, and you know, sat on the bonnet, poured himself a beer, and sort of lit a cigarette, and was like. Fuck. Now i wait for the cops to pick me up <laughs> which they did locked him up he's on the front page of the paper the next morning my oh, god <laughs>
0: <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> yeah. that is the and straight into the surfboard table at the rock just bang oh he
1: sent it straight <laughs> through the bar yeah can. Like, you know and Brownie and Browning, those guys were unbelievable um, I mean the whole town was great they sort of help cover up different bits and pieces so he didn't get, you know, in as much trouble as probably what he should have been. Um, but at the same time, it's fucking ludicrous to do stuff like that. Um, but in that state, he's you, not really thinking, I don't think.
0: No, and it was a different time. Mm. Like, I think you can't get away with probably what he was up to then now, you know? Like, things were different 10, 15, 20 years ago. yeah. Isn't it weird that, like, in that short amount of time, yeah, society seemingly has changed a, a lot weirdly? Yeah, and I don't know if for the better or not, but definitely in education More wise, on, yeah, yeah, of, rules, you know, and regulations, rules and regulations,
1: um,
0: population, and yeah, like, it must blow your brain to come back to Torquay now from growing up. How you have it, like, you're saying Coles is where the primary school is.
1: Yeah, I mean that had sort of happened when I was here, the coals of the primary. But you know, there was no traffic lights, there's no Bunnings out at you know second shopping centres. Like there's hundreds and hundreds of houses going up. Like, um, and they're not saying that it's never going to do that. Like you know, the um, there's plenty of farmland out there to build housing on. The populations are increasing. Like you know to sit there and say that, oh, we don't want it to talk I don't think any town wants it anywhere, but it's sort of It's happening the world over. happens everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Um, I guess the best way to do it is, you know, looking after the environment. Anything that affects that we should be, you know, right across and, you know, I'd love Torquay to be how it was, you know, thirty years ago, but Yeah, you gotta stay you, present you gotta, and Yeah. You gotta be realistic or not be naive that it's not going to change. So, I mean, dad, dad, bought out of bells for eight grand, 10 acres, you know, and they were laughing at him because he bought so far out of town, you know, whereas, <laughs> yeah. whereas these days, like, yeah, you know, yeah. So that gives you an idea of, um, the mindset back then, um, to now.
0: And <laughs> the boondocks. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get back to the, to the, to the the two of stuff but um you're saying the environment mm. uh the demo paddle out are you gonna do that?
1: Yeah, yeah. When I think that's somewhat Saturday, Sunday. Saturday. Saturday, yeah. Just down I saw, here I saw eleven. That, uh on social media, yes. Now
0: so that with that in mind, are we capable i know i'm asking you these questions i don't expect you to just give me this world yeah. <laughs> but are we capable of turning the ship around do you reckon like it seems
1: yeah i, I think so i don't think um I, I mean in the last three or four years i don't think the world's ever stood up so much for the environment um 10 years ago there was a lot of people but now there's a full it feels like a movement and a voice that you know the population's had enough they're like okay, fucking slow down. We need to fix this. And I think this is a real one that, you know, there's thousands of people, um, not just here. There, this is happening all around the coast, South Australia, the Gold Coast. Well, it's happening all around the world at the moment. People yeah. are gluing
0: themselves to fucking this, public places. and you
1: know. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I see this actual um, fight for the bite mm. as something that, you know, it's really gelling with so many of um, people around Australia, especially, um, you know, and they're really um, putting their foot in the you know, a mark in the sand saying, hey, we've had enough. And um, with the paddle out in Melbourne, the first one in Torquay, the ones in South Australia, up on the Gold Coast, you know, they're, they're Sydney, they're sort of being everywhere. There's 30 plus thousand people have written in to say, we don't want this. I don't know if there's any other, you know, environmental no, it, cause that has had that many. Yeah,
0: it's a massive effect. Um, Damo's doing a great job. The
1: government needs to listen. Yeah. Because they're the ones that can say yes or no.
0: Well, that's right. And I'm I'm sort of, I'm definitely, like, I'm I'm fucking all for the change. Mm. Uh, but I'm going to be, it's going to be interesting to see if they listen. Because if yeah. they don't, uh, it's going to be a bit soul-destroying.
1: For sure. Yeah, like, you know, they're in, they've they've already sold. This is the thing, like, if you look at the the land or the ownership of leases out there, there's already, there's like another tent um, of oil fields that companies, oil companies own, that they can just set up and, and, and put a well down. And, so it's like a tender. It's just it's there. But so they've just, got it. Yeah. You know, Australia doesn't have it. We don't own it. Um, we've sold it. Um, the government's sold this land out. Uh, or this stake to tender and um you know drill down and take the oil um whether we you know we we need to take that back and stop that sort of shit happening there's enough renewable um resources out there to to spend money on that would stop us needing as much oil and and all that as we do And dangerous places like the bight
0: yeah yeah, it's 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 it definitely feels like we're in a pressure cooker right now. Yeah, like I can feel it. I don't know if I'm watching too much shit on YouTube, but it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> like we're at a point in time with, you know, critical mass. Like people, uh, the diminishing of natural resources, just everything. And it's just like fuck. We're we gonna be able to turn around. And then I think, well, if Peter Garrett went into politics, and sort of got buried, I just go. Well, you know that dude was a powerful force.
1: Mm. I, th- I think it's never been so easy with social media to yeah. get a group, all right? So if you've got, <clears throat> you know, back then you needed people to show up to a protest, and you know, you've got million, you know, crew with anything from a thousand followers to a million followers posting about this, and then they're building that sort of momentum. So that's why I think in the last sort of three to five years, there's never been such a stand up for the environment because it's so. It's never been so easy to get a movement to get people um, yeah. knowledge out there yeah, yeah yeah because the only other ways to be educated was media like you know and if governments yeah or mem- anyone's controlling the media yeah um, I mean as much as it is that isn't controlled uh, is social media. Like if I post something about that today, it's up. Mm. Um, you know, I don't have that many followers, but they're all going to see it. No, it's enough and, to make people think. Yeah.
0: You know, within your circle, and that pushes out. It has a trickle. Yeah, for sure.
1: So I, I I feel, you know, this could be a really standing point, and the more people that get behind it, and you know, it's going to stop those other ten leases out there, because once one goes in, someone's going to fuck it up and spill oil all across our coastline and ruin the marine life. All the fishing villages, our surf population, like the disaster of what could happen out there, is just like fucked up.
0: Uh, I, don't, I, just, I hate to think of it. Mad Max is what comes to my mind when that's happening. Then we're fucked. Yeah, we're fucked. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: it's not like these things aren't like there's oil wells out and about, and you know. But do we really need you know, as humans, to invest in more? Um, well,
0: I feel like we should be funneling our energies into a, a different, you know, like whether it's electric or we, whatever the fuck, I don't know. But there's got to be another way. And if you, I don't know if you watch, <laughs> there's a lot of these, uh, you know, I can go down it's a conspiracy hole and there's other, <laughs> there are other means of um, fuels that have been suppressed over yeah. the years. Just to let fossil fuels win. Yeah. Uh, you know, ah, fuck. I mean, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but we need to do something.
1: <laughs> yeah, kryptonite or something. Yeah, yeah. we all drive around with a glowing <laughs> fucking thing in the front.
0: <laughs> oh no, there's a. Oh, you might laugh. There's a thing called Cirrus. There's a docker called Cirrus on YouTube. It's now free. It wasn't for free. It wasn't yeah. free for a while. And so it's, it's about UFO technologies. Yeah, no. And there is, uh, but it shows through that it shows all these other um, guys who have taught um, built cars that can drive on water. Yeah, I don't know how they do it, but they have been. Just check it out.
1: Um... (laughs) Or UFOs,
0: I like that. Do you or not? Because some people go, "Whoa!" Oh, I just want one. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Fucking George Jetson. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me Especially too. Basically, sprockets. Let's get up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking earth. All right. So um, you made it on the tour. Mm. So the push to get into that was it? Was it easy, or like did it just fall in your lap? Did it just? Was it a perfect storm, or what happened? Um,
1: no, it was sort of weird, man, because I. Like, I had in my head that I was, you know, I wanted to go out the first year, get a good seed, next year try qualify, and third year on, that's a pretty standard repertoire to try and get on the tour. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> my second year in, I got some bone-eating disease in my shoulder, um, like, nearly lost my arm. Fuck, you've had
0: a go at it. You've had some injuries and yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> I don't know what's about to happen to my body. It's slowly falling <laughs> apart, but, you know, like, I was so halfway through that season like i was in indonesia went for a surf had a tiny little cut in my foot some disease went uh, like a golden staff went into my bloodstream um stopped in a, a torn ac that i had from earlier in my shoulder um and infected the bones and tendons and uh, you know most excruciating pain i've ever had in my life um and really? i ended up in hospital for Well, I was in hospital for about two weeks and on a drip for six and then on antibiotics for nine months. Like, it was pretty serious. So that that put a bit of a, you know, pulled the reins on what I had in my head. Um, And then the following year sort of got back to the stage I was at with a seed and then, um, you know, I I managed to qualify the year after. Um, With a Hail Mary in the last event, had to win Hallie Eva and won the last event of the year to get on tour
0: no way yeah that would be quite the uh i'd love to see a little cut together of the, those heats that you did and the in-betweens it would have been the pressure
1: yeah it was pretty funny because i thought i had no chance and so um like i was um you know traveling around the world competing full athlete got to the last event of year, thought i didn't have much of a chance so having a few beers at night relaxing like you know not you know, obviously... Not putting too much on not it. Not putting too much pressure yeah. on it. And um, I think it was that. And it wasn't until I was paddling out to the final that Ant-Man, Paul Patterson's like, hey, if you win this, you actually qualify. And I was like, what? Oh, shit, really? <laughs> All right. Um, How big was then, it? Yeah, it was tiny. Oh, was really? Like, so this was another huge advantage. Um, I'd just come from um, Brazil. So everyone service brazil does all these comps goes home gets their hawaiian quiver totally different range of boards yeah big wave boards step ups heavy glassing on small boards so you can pull into you know the hawaiian power um i came straight from brazil and i had my brazilian groveler like a 510 absolutely boaty little floaty light as fuck little board that just hammered along muzzerburton thing and um i rocked up to you know the first triple first crown and the triple crown and won it on a Brazilian grovler. So everyone else was stuck on these sort of round tail round tail, sort of heavy glass, you know, sort of set. It was Um, meant to be. It was, yeah. So we took it in and had one of the best parties ever and it was
0: good. (laughs) So what's um I've never been to Hawaii, spent a lot of time in the States, never Hawaii. Good? Do you go back?
1: Yeah, like I, I've sort of been every year um, or every other year since. Um, Always sick. Like, you know, there's obviously big, powerful waves. There's big, powerful people that <laughs> want to stop you catching those waves. Um, but all in all, like there's not many places in the world that gets that much swell that often um, and big barrels and, and powerful things. Like, you know, you can go to Indonesia and get great waves and, and barrels, but there's nothing quite as... Roar as that swell when it comes out of the pacific you know from a big storm you know trailing from japan it's a um it's a sight to see and you can understand why they call it the proving ground
0: yeah yeah um what's your favorite wave there
1: uh i like sunset to be honest it looks sick yeah it's like sunset's like big peaks that just try and run you down and murder you and you sort of dance around it's four true. or five football fields and steer clear and then hopefully you're in the right spot for one um with a big sort of inside barrel that's um just as hard because it sort of breathes and it's got attitude and um yeah it's like a can, v8 yeah you get fucking <laughs> fucked up <laughs> yeah um
0: that's a grunt so on tour yeah how you feeling
1: yeah yeah tour is good um Sort of kicked off, I'm trying to think back now, but yeah. Um,
0: kicked off on the Goldie. Kicked off
1: did on the Goldie, then? I think I was ninth in the first event I went in. Um, I remember oh. taking the print out of the sheet, I was ninth in the world. Um, obviously first event of the year, but I was ninth <laughs> in the world, so <laughs> yeah. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, sort of did a tour, I did both tours. I, was a, I did both tour every year, um, but I was actually Funnily enough, what actually happened is I finished in the tour and then with the juggle of um, the pipe event, I was one spot out. Um, and so I, I was pretty much like a, a vulture flying around with looking for anyone that was injured to sneak into the next event. Um, I can't what remember. does that mean? Well, I needed someone to be so, injured yeah, for me to make yeah, yeah. make Fuck. it on the tour.
0: Dude, what's that uh, Docker where the girl has the... Kneecaps, yeah, <laughs> what was that? The Tanya, yes, yes, yeah, that's it, yeah, Harding, yeah,
1: yeah. I wasn't quite kneecapping through, but I was definitely ringing people up and going, How injured are you? Yeah. What are you doing? Are you pulling out of this comp? Like, what's going on? Um, but yeah, I, I fortunately enough, um, there was enough injuries, and I surfed every event that year and had quite a few events in advance, knowing that someone had blown a knee out or um shoulder injury or you know ankle or something which takes a fair bit of time to get back to um a, a good level so i got into all the events and and surf that year as well as doing the the wqs and i think i qualified that year on the qs again um and not on the ct and then the next year i, I sort of focused a lot more on the ct with being on it 100 so yeah
0: <clears throat> who was dominating then
1: uh slater and kelly i mean sorry slater and, kelly. Slater and Andy. Yeah. that was when slater and Andy were going toe-to-toe like it was epic
0: and were you you're obviously friendly with kelly
1: yep yep
0: and um and Andy. and Andy. yeah fuck another tragic story
1: yeah well me and Andy had our times too like he used to we had a big falling out in the world juniors as 18 year olds um what did you
0: guys fall out of? <laughs>
1: uh, I think he, he had in his head that he you know that was his to win the um that event, and I sort of
0: Hallie Ava. No,
1: no, sorry, the World Juniors. It was oh, right, yeah, 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 Um, <clears throat> and we were eighteen-year-olds or seventeen-year-olds. Um, and I was the sixteen-year-old in Huntington Beach in '96 or whatever. And he um uh first heat of the whole event like we're in the same heat together. I paddled for a wave, I paddled in front of him a little bit, um, he thinks. So I stopped him from catching it and he got an interference on the next wave with Damien Hobgood. Um, and then he had to surf like 11 times in the repercharges to get all the way to the semifinals. And I took the easy path of getting through all the qualifying. And then I dropped down into that semi again. And I didn't even see him in that semi. Um, but I beat him and he came over, threw his board down, trying to punch me in the head, wrote, <laughs> wrote, wrote me off to all the American um, um, publications and Surfer Mag and all that, posted stories about this kook from Australia that, um, you know. He beat, held the ground <clears throat> that fucking bad, yeah. Yeah, and then for like years, for like, you know, when Andy qualified, you know, down here, he's like, what's up kook and all this sort of stuff. And then Paco became one of Andy's best mates and Paco was one of my best mates. And, um, yeah, some years later we became really good friends. So, um, yeah, we sort of laughed about what happened and, you know. Isn't that the, funny? The juniors didn't mean as much once he had a world title, so I think it was fine.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: but, yeah, those, those Kelly and, um, you know, Andy were going toe-to-toe at that sort of time. Um, they were a level above pretty much everyone else and Mick and Parker were just coming onto the onto the scene as kids really winning a few events but you know no one's touching those guys no no
0: that must have been pretty amazing to now be able to look back and you were part of that
1: yeah yeah well i mean like that like i said those junior events back then you know the like the like the Australian juniors and the world juniors, like <clears throat> all, the, all the crew that were born in like 1979, which was my year, pretty much all made the world tour. Like, you know, I was in an under 13s Aussie title. I was just telling the story the other day and Phil McDonald won it. Um, Nathan Hedge got second. Um, Ant Macker, uh, identical twin to Phil. And then I got fourth. And other than Ant, who got really injured with some broken legs and stuff from motocrossing, um, went on to make the world tour. And that was a similar thing with all the juniors, the world juniors, you know, it was Ben Bourgeois, Taj Barrow, uh, me and Damien Hobgood in the final, you know. So those juniors were so strong back then in those days, you know, that was like a good stepping stone for the tour.
0: Mm. Um, yeah. Um- the wave pool in melbourne
1: yeah have they run away with there yet i
0: don't know i don't know i was wondering if you knew anything about it
1: i i know i've I sort of drove past it about two months ago and sat at the fence i parked my car looking have a little snoop a snake. yeah yeah there's planes flying above it and um but no like i'm up for any of that sort of that'd be fun innovative things. yeah
0: it's super fun i'd
1: love to get a little ticket into the pool
0: yeah <laughs> i was talking to boots about it this morning yeah but there's a few by
1: pools around there's you know
0: have you had a go in a few
1: um i surfed in kelly's have you really yeah
0: yeah talk us through it a bit
1: yeah it's pretty cool like i like i run events for Quicksilver, so i was running like a um a young guns event over there um and we had like a retailer day the day before and a bunch of the american retailers came there and one of the guys at the end of the day was like, ah, I'm done. I don't want to head back in the pool. Do you want to take my spot? Well, you didn't have to ask me twice. I was like, yeah, no worries, mate. Yeah, it's me. So I got in there, got my three waves. And, so hold um, on, even though you
0: were running an event, you still couldn't get in the pool because of other, it's a it's, queue? Or? It's
1: like a, you know, it's like it's a regiment sort of thing. There's a wave every two and a half minutes and you got eight hours and, you know, you got X amount of people and you're, like you look at your you know there's a time sheet at the start of the day and you've got a wave at you know 241 and 247 and then you might get a wave at at, at 521 and you know
0: holy whatever. shit so what are you like doing you in between know, you
1: actually know to the minute when your waves is coming at the start
0: of the day See? So what do you do when you're kicking
1: uh i mean they've got like a pretty party yeah (laughs) well that's the thing like i'd actually had a few cans yeah um because like you know we got sort of towards the end of the day and i started having a few beers had like three beers that afternoon and then the guy's like you want to surf i was like fuck i wish i hadn't drank the beers because you know i'm going in kelly's pool now with (laughs) a few under a few under yeah um but maybe it helped maybe it didn't Take the edge off because it's pretty nervous sitting in that pool waiting for a wave to come.
0: Really? Yeah, it's like because you got all the eyes on you. I don't know. Is it? Like, what is it? It's
1: like here's my chance, you know. Yeah. And then all this pressure builds on yourself because you don't want to fuck it. No, I don't want to. B- imagine wave. you stuck the take off. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> like so, you're sitting there, and um, you know, you got the guys on the jet skis. They're like, okay, yeah, you're in the right spot. And the little adjustments, like you're making one-inch one, one inch adjustments in and out, like there's a little bit of current. And you're like, God, I hope I haven't moved out of the wrong spot, you know. But in the so ocean, you can that, make up 10 metres yeah. in
0: no time at all. So. so it's that refined. It's dialed in that much of the inch.
1: Yeah, so you'll see, like, um, if you chuck if you on a... Um, uh youtube of the pool at any time you'll see along the fence is yeah, all yeah the poles each yeah. pole has a number yeah and they'll tell you to sit at a number so you know there's i think 47 is like the pro take off and then like 43 is where the general people take off and because it sort of breaks fast and you've got to be quick off the mark on the pro takeoff, and you know and then there's different size ways they've got like yeah, eight different waves that they run. they can and manipulate it that much. And you, you get to pick. So Fuck you off. can go, yeah. Do you I'll... get
0: to pick where you take off as well?
1: Well you can. Yeah.
0: Your, there you go. Yeah, I'll go, I'll take the pro off yeah yes.
1: <laughs> Well that they sort of you know, they sort of put most people um at the um sort of the general
0: takeoff. Um and where did you go on the takeoff? I went on the pro takeoff Yeah. I
1: but, yeah. <laughs> 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 but like Romana was on the ski. Um and uh yeah he he sort of knew the ability so um it was only you know it's like a two-foot takeoff so it's not that is it sick it's epic yeah it's it's really cool it's the sort of thing though you want to get 20 ways right because the first three figuring it out yeah terrified yeah you know you want to relax and get into it and you know like I, i didn't make a wave i fell off on all three um
0: in the turns or the
1: barrel uh i fell on i didn't I fell on one turn and got caught behind. So just doing
0: like... It raises that hard on you.
1: Well, yeah. Like when you're in the ocean, you sort of can see down the line. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you know, you can see Tell a tales. shallow patch of sand or a peak starting to loom. Yeah. Um, there it pops up really quick. So it looks identical on the wall and you'll do a backhand Rio where you turn your back to it for a second and then um, the... You know, your next look is when you come off the bottom and it's racing off pretty quick. So that's why the guys practice like on the tour, like before the event, they practice so much is to learn how many turns you can do before each racing section. So generally, it's two turns barrel section, three turns if you're quick, two turns if you're slow, um, and then a barrel section, and then a, a final manoeuvre. So the barrel section, you can do airs or whatever you want. But
0: what do you what do you think of um... It as a as a competition format?
1: Um, I, I didn't like it in the way it was formatted out last time. I think they could adjust that to make it more exciting, more of a competition from the beginning. It wasn't until day three or four when, you know, there was a line that you had to get above or below um, that it became interesting. So, <clears throat> you know, I, I like the fact that in the natural environment, every 30 minutes there's a result and people are out there going, you know, that's a fight, they're going toe to toe and you're like, oh, you know, so there's interest and in anticipation mm-hmm. in the pool where you got to wait for 120 waves to go to get a result. Um, I think I think it'd be greater if the, that result was, you know, every 40 waves or I don't know how they're going to do it. But mm. um, whereas a bit more... Um, uh, you know, there was more interest from the beginning and not just at the end.
0: And so what about with um, the ocean? You've got every wave's different. Yeah. And then you go to the pool, seemingly every wave's the same. Do you yep. think it, it's good for playing field or it takes away from what it takes to be a surfer mm. and the reading of the condition, you know? I don't yeah,
1: know. like I, I know what you mean. It's, it's one of those things like... I think if the whole tour was in wave pools and all that sort of stuff it'd be pretty ranked like you know you don't want to just have a formatted approach there's so much greatness to the natural environment that we have you want to leverage it as much as possible but i don't mind having a, a small element of the tour in a controlled manner um having um the same wave and seeing what surfers can do in it i actually find you know people like oh you know it's boring because um, you know, we knew you are going to get a barrel at the end and, you know, but I, I find it interesting to watch how each surfer reads a wave, mm. like they do different turns mm-hmm. on the same sections. Mm-hmm. So if you start analyzing the way that a surfer reads a wave, it's different to the next guy. So then you got the same platform, but you now get to understand how he reads away versus the next guy. So you, he, you might not get that in the natural environment because each way is different.
0: Yep. Yep. And you think that he's just dictating the section to the thing. And you're not yeah. saying the pattern. So as a surf coach, you're learning a lot about...
1: Yeah, well, you might have a horizontal surfer who likes just to do calves and you might have some guy likes us go vertical, you know, and they're definitely going to ve- read the waves differently in a pool. You know, they're going to look different you know they're gonna so then you see that in the natural environment and you go oh maybe he should have done a big carve there but he doesn't like to do me, he's gone through the lip again um i mean that's pretty technical sort of talking shit but no yeah, um no. it might sort of add a different perspective on when you watch the pool next time is okay he can't do that turn so he had to do that one <laughs> you know people disguise it well in the natural environment because you can find those sections
0: yeah 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 so it uh exposes yeah yep um so your event coordinator for quickie now is this is, it, is that what you're t- saying yep um sorry i just do that uh what does that look like
1: um <clears throat> it's been pretty cool like um you know after pro surfing i um went and did like an uh, internship at Quicksilver, um, did like product for wetsuits, watches, eyewear, did some sales for those, you know, all that as well. Internship, I did like all sorts of departments through the business. And then um, anyway, after I did all the sales and marketing for watches and and um, uh, wetsuits and everything, I <clears throat> ended up running the marketing for Quicksilver and um, for Australasia down in Torquay, that's when I moved back. Um, and then I sort of wanted to get back to the Gold Coast and and took on the sort of global event role because um, at the same time the global marketing team moved to France and with the events there all around the world. So the having a satellite sort of office up in Queensland wasn't nearly as threatening. Um, and so I, I went on and took that on and'm I'm, I'm still doing it now, and it's pretty sick, so. What does it look like? Um, this year, I've spent two weeks in Canada. Um, really? Running a snow and a ski event, um, which was unreal. Hiking backcountry and with different athletes, um, you know, and, and running these sort of social media events um, that finish in a live final. Social um, media events? Well, yeah, they're like social media entry. So you enter via Instagram. So any kid in the world, anywhere, can enter. Um, and sort of leveraged wow. that, and then we take, you know, there's like that's a cool selection and voting process with athletes and magazines, and we end up with four kids, and and we take them to the greatest locations in the world, and, and chuck one of our athletes like a Travis Rice or a Austin Sweeton or you know, w- with the surfing a Mikey Wright or a Kanori Garashi um, with those guys, and um, you know they get to teach them how to jump off cliffs and surf. You know, crazy ways and things like that and, and the winner gets 10 grand that's sick <laughs>
0: yeah yeah so. how good who's concept is that a Quicksilver concept or yeah, is it it's yeah. awesome
1: we started a few years ago and it's been unbelievable like you get you know a thousand kids enter the surfing and you know hundreds and hundreds of kids in um, the ski and the snowboard sort of side of it
0: do your own kids uh, enter
1: uh, well they're <laughs> technically not allowed okay um, but Nah, they i'm sure they still do yeah
0: <laughs> different name yeah i don't know that stuff <laughs> <laughs> that's oh how fun so now um and you're just down coaching are you doing coaching for Mikey down here or just yeah
1: yeah so so i do that and then i also run the quicksilver pro so the one here and the one in france yeah um so the one in on the gold coast um and so you know there's different sort of environments there which is pretty pretty good as well But, yeah, I'm down here coaching Mikey. Um, Sort of made a lot of sense. We've got our office down here so I could do some work and still working a lot with WSL with the next events and the wrap-up of the Gold Coast. So be been meeting with those guys too. And, uh, yeah, Mikey's out there surfing away and um, sort of... Are they
0: running it today? I didn't...
1: I don't know. I haven't... um, There you go. I've actually got a text that's come through. (laughs) <laughs> probably be delayed this is times. live live what do we got <laughs> delayed live i don't know um i think i think it's gonna be on this afternoon because
0: with... there's a few ways little ways isn't there uh
1: there's little ways um at uh winky it's sort of you know it's from the west a bit slow and, and not yeah, the yeah, greater, okay. So yeah. that's a tough one um it's it's the best of a bad bunch. Right. So it's, Is there swell coming? There's swell at the end of the window. There's a little bump after the Easter weekend. Um, mm. But to be honest, it's not a great forecast.
0: What do you think they're going to do? Oh, what are they, they to do, to do, what are they going to do, Troy? What are they going to do? I don't have to
1: care too much about that. Um, I just have to show up. So um, I think they'll run... Um, something in the next three or four days maybe a day down the coast and then finish on the last Do you paddle. reckon
0: they'll go down the joey again
1: <sighs> hopefully yeah all have been down they getting good waves yeah and, um, hopefully it's good I mean it's good good to be able to go down there um, and surf Joanna
0: did you surf the other day down there
1: yep yeah got some waves it was fun
0: yeah I heard there's a good <laughs> bank down there <laughs> yeah
1: no it was good I mean they change so quickly down there you never know yeah they're good one day and gone the next
0: so. yeah that's it um, that's
1: it I'm sure they've got eyes down there and you know if it's flat at Bell's at least there's that opportunity to run a world class event in good waves still
0: mm. yeah O, thank you so much for coming in no worries appreciate cheers. it like down, cheers like holla uh, let boy, um, baby Okay, there you have it. There was my chat with Troy. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did enjoy talking to him. Uh, Yeah. Whoever you are, wherever you are, thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, And uh, have yourself a nice day, evening, life.